Uh, This reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. Actually, it's on the screen. I don't need that, do I? (laughs) Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't become weary and give up. Great. Thank you, Dave. So, today is Remembrance Sunday, and I don't know if you were down at the Cenotaph in the freezing cold rain. I know some of you definitely were, and I know James was because he came back wet and freezing cold. But um, maybe you were at home watching um, a a special service on the telly or maybe you went somewhere else to mark this day along with the hundreds and thousands of people who also are remembering today the lives that have been lost to war and conflict. So Remembrance Sunday is a day recognised by the church but it's also recognised outside of the church. It's a national day and... um, James was telling us how actually last, um, last week he was telling us how the church calendar also gives space for times and seasons of remembrance. So we celebrate on the 1st of November, we celebrate All Saints Day. And then the next day we celebrate All Souls Day. So they're slightly different. And last Sunday James was telling us about all the saints And we considered those literal saints, that is, the people who um, did wonderful things in their lives, did miracles, and were recognized for their devotion to Christ. And so this afternoon, though, we are recognizing all souls, so slightly different. And another name that is given to um, all souls is the commemoration of all the faithful departed. So that is, in other words, we remember the people who have gone before us who were faithful followers of Jesus. And it might be that those faces, their faces, aren't on the stained glass windows or they don't have churches named after them, but nonetheless, they were faithful followers of Christ. And today, after um, my short reflection, we're going to have opportunity to just remember ourselves, the faithful departed. We will have um, different stations for candlelighting and prayer. But I'm going to use this opportunity to be cheeky and tell you about somebody who I will be remembering today, one of those faithful departed. (laughs) And um, this is who I'm going to tell you about just now. 
David Perkins. Who is David Perkins? Well, I'll tell you, he is my dad. He was my dad. So, I mean, look at him. <laughs> He's clearly very cool and good-looking. Um, but my dad was great. He was fun. He was creative. And um, gosh, just as I say it, I just think I didn't realize how much I'd take after him. Um, you know, funny, brilliant, like, you know. Um, anyway, so yes, this is my dad, and he did all my homework. I mean, you, you know, I loved him very much, of course, yeah. But sadly, my dad died when I was 16. And I would love to tell you so much about his life and how he lived his life, how he was a psychiatric nurse, how he cared for the vulnerable, how he did remarkable things and brought innovative new ideas and ways to help love and care for people, how he ran a hostel for the Salvation Army, and just so much I would love to tell you, but I'm actually not. I'm going to focus on, instead, a specific story which relates to his death. We can't escape death. And today, we're remembering those who have died. So I'm remembering my dad. And like I said, he died when I was 16. So it was the summer of 1991. Now, before you stop listening and start trying to calculate how old I am, I was born in 1975, and I'm 48, and I know I don't look it at all. I know. So it was the summer of 1991, and me and my friends had planned to go to Greenbelt Festival. But you see, my dad was very, very ill, and I wasn't sure if I should go or not. But he wanted me to, and so I decided to go. But it was, in fact the last time that I saw him because he died whilst I was away at Greenbelt. And now this is the early 90s, you know, unless you're really rich and had one of those huge mobile phones. I, we didn't have mobile phones. And um, so my mum was in a, dile a dilemma. How should she contact me or, or should she contact me? How should she let me know? She could get the police to track me down, but... That seemed a little bit drastic. And so in the end, she decided not to contact me. She decided to wait until I came home. But instead, she prayed that God would somehow let me know. So Deacon Blue, do you remember them, that band? They were, they were playing that day um, at the main stage at Greenbelt. And the stage was empty and the band, everybody was waiting for the band to come on. But instead, some random bloke ran onto the stage and grabbed the microphone. And he shouted down the microphone, the winner of today's competition is David Perkins! And then he ran off again. It was so bizarre. And do you know what? I don't know if anybody else saw that man run on the stage or heard what he said. In that moment, I totally and utterly knew that my dad had died. Now, the thing is, when somebody's winner, 
or somebody wins, or, you know, if somebody dies from, from, from cancer, you say they've lost their battle to cancer. You don't normally say they've, wit, they've won. But, you know, when that announcement came, I totally and utterly knew that my dad had won. That, yes, he had died, and I was sad for that, because that was a, the realisation. But actually, you know, it wasn't the fact that this person shouted his name, David Perkins, which was bizarre enough, but it was the announcement that came with it, that David Perkins had won. And even at 16, I knew exactly what that meant. Because, you see, my dad was a faithful follower of Christ, he hadn't been born into a church family. He actually had a Damascus Road conversion when he was in his mid-twenties, a very sudden conversion to Christ. But since then, from that moment, he lived for Jesus. He followed Jesus. And he was a real example to me of the life of faith. And so I knew that passage, and I knew that he was someone who, knew, who saw his Christian journey as a, a, a race. And he, um, so like I say, in that moment, I did know that he had died because he had won his race. He had remained faithful to Jesus, and he was now with Jesus. So we're going to take a brief look at this passage from Hebrews, and in the light of my dad's story that I've just shared, we'll consider briefly kind of what is that race that he won. And, um, you know, it's clear, isn't it, that the race that's being talked about in that passage is the Christian life. It is that life of following Jesus. But why does the writer of Hebrews use that metaphor then? You know, I know that there are people in this room who probably love that metaphor. They get really work, worked up by it. They're energized because, you know, they love a good run, don't they? They love to get their sweatbands on and uh, go and just do sort of 10K or 15K. I'm clearly not one of those people, okay? I... I yeah, I really, really, really don't run. Um, but I have to say that even though I don't run, you know, the analogy isn't lost on me. And I can identify with this metaphor. So we might not be the most athletic type, but we can nonetheless relate to the image that's being presented here. But basically, being a Christian isn't easy. It is tough. Life is tough. You know, the world is a tough, tough place to live in. We're surrounded by conflict and war. We're surrounded by pain and suffering. So living is hard enough. But as Christians, we live with a particular vision of hope because we've caught a glimpse of Jesus we have experienced and seen the beauty of God. And so we as Christians are actually trying, not just trying to survive the world, but we're trying to push back the darkness of the world with the love and the light of Christ, with the good news of Jesus. We're actively living for and seeking for change and seeking for transformation and to make a difference in the world. So no wonder 
It's termed a, a race. It is tough. It is hard. It's a lifelong marathon. It's not a sprint. So how do we endure? How do we keep going? So the author of Hebrews gives us some tips. And in that passage we read, or Dave read, it tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. In other words, keep your eyes on the prize. So our faith, from start to finish, depends on Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate goal. And the writer here knows how easily we can become distracted from that, how we might even be tempted to give up altogether. You know, like in a race, it does get tiring. Or we might get injured along the way. We might have to move to the sidelines for a bit. But, you know, if you forget what the race is about in the first place, then the danger is you might actually give up altogether. And so the way of not giving up, the way of, you know, keeping going is to keep our eyes fixed on the goal, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and running towards him. So there are some practical uh, tips as well and ways that we can, things we can do, things that can encourage us and help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep our eyes on the goal so that we can keep running in that race. And James did kind of remind us, as I've already said, that one way, and this passage again talks about it, cheering us on, cheering us on are the angels and saints. There are so many saints. And um, James told us about these two last week, Julian and Francis. But you know, there's so many saints. Um, Ignatius, Augustine, Hilda, Julian and Francis and Joan. They've got great names as well. So, you know, why don't you have a look at uh, some, look some obscure saint up. You know, the reason they're there is because they were exemplary. They did great things. And they were all different characters, different personalities, living in different contexts. So it would be interesting. You know, you might find someone who you really identify with. And the reason we know about them is because they've gone before us. And so we can take encouragement from them and from their stories. So perhaps have a little look at some obscure saint this week. That can be a challenge. But we also take our encouragement from the faithful departed. And you know, my dad still encourages me. So I still get inspired by the memory of how he lived his life. And I still learn from remembering the things that he did. And I'm certain that actually we are all here in this room today because somebody else inspired us. You know, it might be that one particular person was the person who shared 
the news of Jesus with you and that one particular person was, you know, why you decided to follow Jesus. Or it might be that lots of different people in different ways contribute to your journey of faith and encourage you along the way. And so I'm just going to tell you about another chap called Peter. And um, Peter, when I was 17, Peter was 70. And um, I would sit next to Peter two or three times a week, every week, for several years, playing my cornets in the Salvation Army Band. And, you know, I don't remember any big conversations with Peter. But, you know, I so remember just sitting next to somebody who just, I thought, really just oozed the presence of Jesus somebody who was just gentle and um, whose demeanour and spirit was something that I just was inspired by and that I wanted, somebody I wanted to be like. And in fact, I've got this book here, which is the New Testament. And it's a particular version, which you might not have heard of. Um, and so even now, as I'm telling you, maybe Peter's inspiring you to get, one, get a different version of the Bible even. This one, the J.B. Phillips version, is laid out lovely. It's like, um, like reading a book. And, um, and he would sit there and this Bible would be with him. And I'd look over his shoulder and share it sometimes. And I'd notice how he'd marked things in the margins and kind of like highlighted bits. And so I thought to myself, I must get one of those. And uh, yeah, so it's a simple illustration. Even somebody sitting next to you, you know, how that can inspire. So in turn, that makes me flip it around and actually think, who is it that you sit next to who's looking over your shoulder and who's thinking, I want to follow Jesus because they make it look so inspiring? You know, who is it that you're influencing in your life as well? So finally, um, not all of those who inspire us are departed, are they? You know, some are very much alive. And hopefully, some of those are all around you right now. They're sitting in this room. Um, you know, the church is the community of faith, the community of believers seeking to live this out, seeking to follow Christ. And, you know, so when we gather and when we worship together, we are spurring each other on. We're encouraging each other. And another thing we do when we come together is we also bring with us the things that burden us and the weights, the, the things that weigh us down. Church is that opportunity to let go of the sin that hinders us, to receive repentance, uh, to receive forgiveness and to repent. And so, you know, church and worship is a great place where we can not only look at each other and spur each other on and pray for each other, but where we can just come before God and keep letting go of those things that hinder us so that we can keep running this race and have our energy renewed. And one last person who inspires me is, of course, James. James. 
Actually, no, I wasn't going to say that. Um, it's this guy, actually. It's Godfrey Bertel. But of course, James inspires me all day, every day, because he follows Jesus in such a manner that I also want to follow Jesus in. But this is Godfrey Bertel, and um, he's one of my sort of heroes of the faith. He's a worship leader, and his songs encourage me no end. And um, so I would just recommend, you know, I call him Godders. I would recommend Godders anytime. Whenever I'm really feeling kind of like, like giving up, I just get a bit of Godders on and it's all, it's all good again. And actually, I might just sing to you a bit of Godders, just very briefly. <laughs> Um, because I, I, I'm old school and I got a CD and I, like our fancy business over there probably doesn't even play CDs, does it? <laughs> Dave's like, it, I can do anything. I can play a CD. Okay. But, um, but one of his songs, you see, was based on this passage and it goes, Like the pioneers that blaze the way Cheering us on are the angels and saints With our eyes on Jesus, captain of our faith We'll press on in the race And it's chorus, so let us rid ourselves Of anything that slows us down The sin that is wrapped around there we go. That's enough of that. Okay. But, um, <laughs> like the pioneers that blaze the way, cheering us on, and the angels and saints. So anyway, I hope that you've been encouraged. One, to just stay part of that faithful witness to Christ on the earth. This earth needs it. Goodness me. But also, just who are you inspiring and who are you influencing? Let's remember that. Maybe look up a saint and, and get inspired this week.